Flood media acknowledges the Yagara and Turrbal people upon whose land we live. Dispossession of common land is crucial to capitalism, and we share material interests with Indigenous movements for justice and for self-determination. This twice, twice. It is disingenuous. The situation now is even worse. Flood is not above the poverty line. Are we yeah. starting? Yeah, let's do it. Right, I think you should... Yeah, all right, welcome to the Failed Ads podcast in which we talk about sleep. Declan, how much sleep have you had lately? Uh, some good nights, some bad nights. Last night was bad. Bad night? Mm. <laughs> um, uh, also joining us, success daughter Jo. How much sleep have you had lately? <laughs> I actually didn't sleep very well last night because my cat was being a total demon and <laughs> killed, killed not one but two rats <laughs> over the course of the evening. Um, and it was really cold in Brisbane last night and I kept waking up because of the cold, so... Yeah, it sounds like we all had a pretty bad night. Except, wait, how did you sleep? Well, uh, damn. So my my partner, who has a, a real job and is also heavily pregnant, is now out of town, so I slept really well. <laughs> it's like I, I feel really guilty. It's like, oh, I've had a really good night's sleep. What is it? And I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> at the bed to myself. Yeah. No one got up. <laughs> um, already a bad dad. Um, right, well, no, sorry, I was lying. Welcome to the Floodcast. Regular old chaos configuration in which we are returning to our roots and talking about ways in which the Labour Party sucks. But a particular way. A very particular way. We're talking about Monk Latham. Yeah. So I'm responsible for this. (laughs) About uh, a year ago, while stuck somewhere with no reception, I picked up a copy of the Latham Diaries. And then the memory that this man nearly became the Prime Minister of Australia, like the first, it would have been the first family court dad, prime minister. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, I guess I haven't been able to get him out of my head and I've now tried to ask my two best podcast friends to help me exercise these thoughts of Mark Latham. (laughs) It's a real there but for the grace of God (laughs) moment for the whole country. Yeah, although we got the last term of of Buddy Howard instead. So like, I probably would have taken it, you know. I I genuinely think it would have been good if Mark Latham won. Mm. Unpack that a little. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, come on. Um, in the, like, that's what I wanted to happen at the time, and I could never have been wrong, firstly. <laughs> like, how old were you? Though? I was, well, it was, what, we, we 2004 election, so yeah. I was 13, 14. So you were much more politically aware teenager than I was, because I vaguely remember seeing this weird large man on the TV, but that was about all I can remember. No, I remember wanting him to win. I remember getting, like, I, my dad was into him because he was like, he's from Campbelltown. He's probably working class. <laughs> um, he's done it rough. Um, <laughs> Is this true? I don't know anything about Mark Latham, by the way. Oh, this is absolutely true. Like, this is part of the, like, part of the process of reading about Latham has been, like, these ups and downs where you're, like, there are things where you're, like, yeah, I can kind of connect with this guy. He's, like, proper rough working mm. class. Like, you had, like, hit the local ALP branch, like, whipped around to send him through uni or something. Like, like, like a real, like, true believer in the labor cause working class guy. One of the only, maybe the last actual working class Labour Party politician before they all became like polished yes, Korean nerds. <laughs> like reading this, I keep thinking of this was like, this was the Labour Party's last leader. Yeah. <laughs> like Rudd was like just such a weird, like polished, super freak nerd, like too elite. And then shortened like the same, except even less likable somehow. Oh shit! I forgot about Gillard. Yeah, real misogynist house. Damn. Actually, we'll get <laughs> this to Gillard is the later. Dad podcast. <laughs> Latham might dose of misogyny. Latham might be partially responsible for Gillard as well. So like, we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that later. Yeah. So like, anyway, keep going. So you were thirteen. Yeah, thirteen, fourteen. I had, a, I had like a conservative girlfriend. Well, she wasn't conservative. She was a thirteen-year-old. But apparently, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, picturing a conservative thirteen-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Got that. Um, but no, her family were quite conservative. Her mum in particular was conservative. She was like that, that like boomer demographic of... Um, so you like, like over for dinner and arguing with her parents? No, something? I wouldn't argue. Well, like, and her dad ruled. Her dad was like a working class bloke from Ipswich who mm. like told six stories about like doing a good tackle on the footy field one time. <laughs> um, and he had like a really power, like a really powerful like thong tan on his feet. Um but yeah, for our international listeners, of which there is probably zero, yeah, that's the that's the foot tan. Yeah, thongs of footwear. Yeah, um, but the mum was yeah like that that demographic of like boomer pom who came over 
when they were like young, but like the 10 pound pump thing, who I think as a cohort have got more to do with Australia being like having a conservative prime ministership most of my life and most of like the world's life than any other demographic. I blame this demographic. I fucking hate the 10 pound pump. Um, but yeah, she really didn't like my Mark Latham. She was very, I remember her being like, well, I'm very concerned about my home loan. <laughs> Um, but it was just like the very typical. Sorry, I thought we were talking about the thirteen-year-old again. Like, no, no, no. This is no wonder she's a conservative thirteen-year-old. <laughs> this already is, has a house. This is this is the mum. Um, and yeah, like, I remember being like, "No, it'd be good if Mark Latham would win because he'd stop funding private schools." And she's like, "Like my girlfriend went to a private school." And she's like, "No, that would be bad. <laughs> like yeah. obviously it would be bad. We need private schools because otherwise the state system would be overrun." Um, that sort of thing. She was very <laughs> concerned about um, um, gay marriage being. Implemented if Mark Latham won. I don't think that was really on the cards. No, not when was this? Two thousand four. Well, yeah. like he actually talks about it at one point. Like I, th- I think there was a moment where some of the like progressive, uh, hopes. Like he talks about like if he won, inc- like having the apology to the stolen generations, gay marriage, and like signing the Kyoto Protocol. Like, like somehow way more progressive than like or i guess that's that is like that was this rod four years earlier yeah I, I think the thing is the um the apology to the stolen generation has a very similar frame as the voice does now is mm. what i was thinking when i was reading about this where it was like an important symbolic activity which is basically will like will cleanse our nation's soul mm. um that and then move like, forward to some actual material Material concerns once we've done the symbolic. Yeah, thing. yeah. We'll was, was that even mentioned? <laughs> I, I don't even like. Was, was that part of the agenda, or was it just kind of like we're going to do this thing? Yeah, I don't. Think I think it was. It will fix it. I mean, I think, I think it kind of wasn't really mentioned, no, but it was like, but it was, in, it was strongly implied. Yeah, not from my memory of because. So I didn't actually live in Australia during Latham. Uh, of course. <laughs> so I'm completely like a Latham virgin, if you will. Uh, <laughs> all of my like knowledge of Latham is coming like after the fact, after like he, um, I guess through the lens of like the first, the handshake thing, where it was, I think the first thing I ever learned about Mark Latham. <laughs> and then obviously over the past few years when he's just gone full family court dad. Um, so yeah, I never had any consciousness of him as like a potential future prime minister. Yeah. Okay, well then, like, I think, like, a quick overview of Latham's life really, like, helps. Because one of the things reading this is that, like, it feels like if this man wasn't powerful, you would have door-knocked him and you might have swung him, <laughs> right? So it's like, yeah. life, like, working class upbringing, lifelong Labour voter, gets powerfully disillusioned with the Labour Party, tells them all they can fuck off, um, writes this... Well, releases his diaries of the time he was in federal politics, like in which he trashes all of his former colleagues. Joins One Nation, <laughs> becomes like a real like family court dad. I, presumably, I think he's divorced twice at this point, like a real divorced dad energy, and then is well also powerfully misogynistic and homophobic. Mm. Yeah, it's the real Greens Greens One Nation swing, which I think <laughs> no one who's ever who hasn't door knocked ever believes in, but it's so real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. Like we must have mentioned this in a door knock cast in the past. Oh, of I'm the sure line. we have. I feel like we've mentioned it all the time, but you got to <laughs> yeah, understand feel, there are yeah. people out there who are angry, and you can harness that anger in a lot of directions. It's so much easier to swing those people than it is to swing like loyal Labor voters. People always think, oh, the Greens are just trying to get Labor voters over to their side. Like well, yes progressive no. Labor voters are the hardest people to convince. It's so hard, I hate it. When I find one of them, (laughs) they're just like, "Oh, I really like progressive things, but I just uh, I watch the news." Yeah, (laughs) fuck off. (laughs) They're much they're much too into the idea of themselves as people who watch the news, and they'll never give that up. Um, Versus, like, yeah, your sort of angry divorced dad in Cannon Hill, who's just had it up to here with the system, so much easier. Yeah, exactly. By like by realizing that the major parties don't give a shit about you and by f- embracing the anti-politics means it's much easier to talk about them uh, to them and convince them sometimes to vote Greens I have no like there's no way you could have ever swung Latham I reckon I think he's way too far gone I think he cares a little too much about but I think this is like just this is this is just about but he how strong hegemony is guy, how, right? how strong hegemony is at various times right like mm. I think if, if you came across Mark Latham at f- 40 
without getting into a career of politics now, yeah. you'd be able to convince him. But, like, because he, he reached kind of political maturity, like, during the 90s, mm. when it was, you know, the end of socialism, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, the end of the Soviet Union, the end of the future, he, like, he, he's too set in, like, this particular kind of, like, moment yeah, to exactly. ever, like, really deviate from that. He's a real end-of-history guy. Real end-of-history guy. Like, he's he's the way he is because of the end of history. So, well, should we just do like a quick biography? Okay. So, yes. good. <laughs> his dad was um, public housing. Wikipedia. Um, public housing dad, a yep. um, alcoholic, it seemed like, who, or maybe a gambler. Wasn't like a abusive dad, but, you know, wasn't like chill by mm. all means. Um, so, they lived... They got moved from um, public housing, like, near his job in the city to, like, public housing way, way, way western Sydney. Mm. Um, Mum was a stay-at-home mum who held the family together. Um, So this is in the 60s. Yeah, with um, a couple of sisters and stuff like that. He was the youngest and obviously the favourite child. He was, Mm. like, a bright kid. His two sisters, like, stopped going to school or whatever to help, like, look after him. And, like, like, the whole household was just geared towards being like, Mark... You be a good kid who studies hard. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Um, so he, that's, that's some of the things that I guess are a little bit relatable about him. And he ends up going to University of Sydney. And then he joins the Labour Party really young age and ends up as a research assistant to Will- Gough Whitlam. Wow, okay. I didn't know Well, because Gough Whitlam was... Um, Gough Whitlam and him are like very Close. tough as guy. Mm. Like, um, Whitlam, sh- Whitlam shaped Mark Latham more than anyone else. Mm. Mm. Interesting. No, I had no idea. No, no, me either until I read about it. Like, oh, this goes deep. <laughs> so keep going because you read the one that actually has more of his like biography. Um, yeah. So like he's so member of this, like the Western Sydney kind of labor branch. They yeah. all do a whip around to get him like, like an income to, to put him through uni. So like everyone puts in a dollar or two dollars or whatever. And they like, he gets like a five dollar a, a week kind of stipend to study. Um, when he starts studying, he's like he's a big socialist. He's he studies political economy under actually the same person that um, my partner studied political economy under at Sydney, um, Frank Stillwell, who's like a, like a, like a good old Marxist. Hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so he starts as a bit of a Marxist. Shit, that's and then, interesting because because I'm just read the diaries right, and there's a bit where he writes a book, and one of the notes I've made is like this man needs to have read at least a tiny bit of Marx because he's gone yeah. so end of history that it's like. That clearly didn't stick, anyway. Well, yeah, well, that was that was the era. It couldn't couldn't possibly stick. Marx was over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think so. That's what he does. Enters, enters the Labor Party, and because Gough Whitlam's seat was around that area, Gough like all around Western Sydney, like one of the safe Labor seats. I'm not sure exactly how, but like his work ethic kind of gets him recommended to Gough, and he helps Gough write Gough's like memoir of being a politician or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah, like, it's... So, he's, like, he, he's employed by Goff to be a researcher and then, like, through being, like, like through researching Goff with Goff, he and Goff become <laughs> good mates. Goff on Goff. Um, um, he and Goff become really good mates and um, he, he keeps using his card, which is, like, I work for Goff Whitlam to pick up chicks. <laughs> <laughs> All like, right, that's keeps, the second relatable thing about it. <laughs> yeah, like, he keeps, like, meeting uh. meeting women at pubs and being, like... Here's my card. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> just says I work for Goff Whitlam. Yeah, like associate of Goff Whitlam. I work with Goff Whitlam. <laughs> but anyone could, anyone could make. Are a you card interested in? That. If you're interested in meeting Goff Whitlam, you should uh, maybe consider fucking me. <laughs> Goff won't actually talk to anyone who hasn't fucked me. So. <laughs> what a fucking time as well. Where that's like that's like a perfectly like well, his successful first, line. Of his attack. first his first wife he met when he like like he met her at a pub. He gave her this card and then took her up to the <laughs> office, like to Goff's office, like that night, like that. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> like made advances. Imagine if someone approached you these days and was like, "I work for Anthony Albanese." They'd <laughs> <laughs> be like, "Get away from me!" <laughs> but it wouldn't be. It, it would be, be Paul Keating. Like, all right, yeah. And so, like, yeah, this like genuine, like, kind of like labor royalty slash true believer like upbringing is really palpable. So, like, it's. This is the good, like, he starts this way, but, like, he just gets jack of the party so quickly. Oh, I, the other part of his biography, which is important, is he um, he is very aware that in Western Sydney, 
things just much like worse than in other parts of Sydney. Like mm. um, he gets a scholarship to go to a selective high school. It's like a, it's called like blah, 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 agricultural high. I can't remember. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. But like, because it's like one of the like selective public schools, it basically functions as a private school. It's got like big, beautiful grounds and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, so he, yeah. he goes and plays sport against like all the private schools and goes on these buses to private schools. And he's like, you know what? I fucking hate those rich people. I fucking hate them. This is fucking bullshit. Like, they've got all the nice stuff in their suburbs, and that suburb fucking sucks. So, yeah, just continuing on the, like, like, yeah, like, there's, that's Yeah, he's right. It's right. He's right. You do, you should (laughs) hate the rich people. Some kind of, like, there should, no-fault divorces should be repealed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Family court reform now. (laughs) I guess he's too young to yet be a family court dad. Still just has the raw hatred. So, all right, and so then I guess I oh, have. Sorry, do you have any further? No, I reckon that's his biography. Like, yeah. so like after like after getting involved with golf and stuff like that, his like he, so um, golf takes him to Paris a lot when he's what? a young man. Like Hell he goes yeah. groomed. Was he like literally groomed? He goes yeah. he goes to Paris with Goff and Goff's m- wife Margaret, I believe, and is like becomes like a man of the world. Damn, that's <laughs> like, like the plot of a novel. Um, <laughs> but and this is the time when like when he kind of moves from being like a young bright kid who's full of like class rage, mm-hmm. um, studies political Good. economy under a Marxist and takes Good. on like a left position. Good to the Soviet like the Soviet Union crumbles. Goff starts taking him to Paris um, and teaching him to be right wing. And he's like, oh, I mean, I guess, I guess history's ended. And that like, and I think that is like, Mm. that is the moment when like a certain trajectory is just like locked in permanently forever. Mm. Okay. That's good. That's good. Because this, uh, I've read the bloody, the Latham diaries, which again, this, the fact that this exists is kind of wild, right? So Ma, it covers the period of Latham, as a federal politician, which he gets in, like, he gets into parliament pretty young. How old is he? Like, he's in his 20s or something. Um, I think he's a councillor first. Uh, okay, yeah, so this just covers the federal... A by-election comes up in Goff's old seat in Warrawa, <laughs> and I don't know who was in it before. Some, some, some loser. It's a really safe Labour seat. He manages to get the pre-selection, and he's, like, locked in. And so then this is... So he's... Joins the last term of Keating's government, basically. And during his time as a federal MP, he decides to take up the habit of writing a diary. He doesn't write it. He doesn't write it like religiously or daily. He takes what I think is quite a sensible approach, which is to like occasionally recount what's happened. Mm. So sometimes there are like multiple a week. Sometimes months go by. And who knows how much of this has been like edited for. Presumably shitloads that have been edited for clarity. But, like, the thing is, he doesn't come off well from any of this. <laughs> well, I was going to say, if he's like me, he only writes in his diary when he's very upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like anyone. Like, I'm absolutely furious right now. The thing is, he is, hates everyone. And so, uh, like, a clock full of hatred is right twice a day. And he definitely <laughs> hates all the right people, as well as most of everyone else. Um, and so, like... What a, what's a sample diary entry actually like? Like, I saw so-and-so in the parliamentary cafeteria. They're such a fucking bastard. I hate them, blah, blah. Um, fuck. Like, well, I, I literally just picked, picked up in a random okay. page. No, he's definitely, like, thinking about things that have happened. At, like, there's a, there's a, like, he, there's a lot of clarity, I guess. It's not, so what, it, this is a random page, October 22nd. Keating calls, despondent and resigned to our election defeat. He's also linked lining up some retribution. I know I've been out of it for a, li- for a while, but I still carry the flame on our side. Like Clinton and the Democrats in the US, I'm the last one to win a national election. I'll tell you one thing. When this is over, I'm going to barrel those close to Kim, Smith, Swan, and McCullen. Whatever. So it's this kind of like... It's like a burn book sort of thing. It, yeah. But it's like there's a lot of like um, him working through some of his ideas as well, I guess. It was like, hmm, I've been traveling around and I definitely think now... Um, here we go. Like, back in my hotel room, I jotted down four things that make social democracy redundant. Ned. <laughs> <laughs> the market won the Cold War and sustains an international system of poverty and inequality. Blah, 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 blah. He actually is kind of a nerd. Now I think he's about it. He's a huge it. nerd. He wrote, like, he's written several books. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he's a lot of his... Like, he's been, like, most of what he was doing while in Parliament was just, like, writing books. It's actually, like... 
what I get out of this as well. Okay, I get so many like you get so many feelings reading this damn thing. One of it is that it must be so fucking easy to be a labor backbencher. Mm, I've often thought that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks like that. Yeah, like, there's no scrutiny, no standards. <laughs> an opposition labor backbencher has like nothing to do, and therefore he like writes a whole book and goes on like a press tour and like at one point he gets a column like being, uh, <laughs> yeah, being a random federal MP can actually be quite like quite a chill job as opposed to the. Poor bastards we send down to Canberra who never get a moment's rest. R.I.P. Yeah, rip to the real we're all, ones. We're all saluting. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so there's this. Uh, but I guess he, he doesn't ever hold back on any anyone. Um, I'll dig out some quotes later about, like, all of the, like, future future leaders that his, his, like, take on them at the time. Yeah. Like, he thinks Albo is basically, like, a compulsive liar. <laughs> um, like, Rudd just comes off as this insane, like, f- like, truly kind of as he is, like, as an insane freak that's, like, cares about minutia and will blow up over nothing. Mm. This isn't Rudcast, but it's really amazing how well he hid that persona for so long, like, during the... 20, 2007 campaign I now well whatever like I mean this cast has this cast has no structure we can go we can do whatever we want but I knew enough public servants Queensland public servants at the time through Maddie's family yeah. that like the Rudd coming on the scene all of them were like he is a psycho okay mm, <laughs> because if you had ever inside worked inside knowledge if you'd ever worked under as like in whatever department he was running like all the public servants were like yeah, Rudd is an absolute insane. Because he was Wayne Goss's chief of staff. Mm. So I think a bunch of public servants would have had a fair bit to do with him. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. In Queensland. So, like, the stuff that eventually came out with Rudd, like, all of the, like, what is it, like, the rat fucking? And anyway. So, yeah. So then, so how does he move from that to Sorry, yes. um, running for prime minister? Well, becoming the leader. Well, hang on. Sorry, I'll just finish oh. my thought about... There's so, sorry, the there's so exists. much. Ryan's yeah. uh, copy of the Latham Diaries has like every second page dog eared <laughs> And it's pretty impressive because just... I've never actually known Ryan to finish a book before. But um, this is oh like God. one book. So <laughs> this is the work of a man who's just incredibly well. <laughs> like both Ryan and the diary itself. Oh, uh, called out so hard, especially because the last cast we recorded was like Declan and I trying to explain why it was really important and we had to read a book. You know, we should finish a book. <laughs> and said the first book that I finished it's the fucking Latham 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 Diaries. Diaries. This is part it's of a the meeting of minds, really. God. Anyway, carry on. So, like, okay, so he ca- keeps this, like, for some reason, like, he says he keeps it for his own purposes, but it's like functions too well as a burn book for me to believe that he ever thought that. And then, like, you know, loses famously loses to Howard, two thousand four, at the election where people were like, "We're finally going to get rid of Howard." And then, like, he doesn't last long as leader after that and retires and then publishes this goddamn thing, which, like, absolutely fully, like, severs his connection with the Labour Party forever, right? Like, Mm. you can't possibly release, like... Because it's just really candid, I guess, about how fucking, like, messy and political and factional and all of the stuff that we know the Labour Party to be. But, like, someone's just day-to-day, like, talking about it. Him talking about, like, doing the numbers when he's coming up for... Leadership is, like, really interesting. Sort of if you're a political nerd, it's actually kind of dull, I guess. But, like, it fully talks about who are the factional power brokers, which ones flipped, which ones lied, who was leaking to the media. Like, that it's is like interesting. A, I would find that interesting if, to read. Exactly. If this came out and it sold, like, really, really, really fucking well. Because it, it was, at the time, it was, like, politicians who were in the public eye. And you were, like, some of them, f- like, three future leaders of the Labour Party and... Three, no, four future leaders of the Labour Party and three future prime ministers, depending on how you count, are like talked about in here. And I don't think there's really ever been a book like that before or since, right? Like no, a totally candid burn book, like yeah. someone just flipping on their own side and being yeah, like, someone here it who's is. Like, actually, I know that my bread is not buttered by being like a Labour Party elder now. Like, mm. like I'm out. So if I'm out, I'm taking as many of you freaks and losers <laughs> down with me. And I kind of respect it, honestly. It's so good. Like, that's why, like, you can't help but like, like, want to kind of root for him at times, even though, like, really need to clarify, he is a huge piece of shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's a terrible dude. There's a, like, there's a few things in the introduction that really do, like, I think, in Latham's own word, describe this, and some of it's admirable and some of it's insane, I guess. Um. 
Last year, I used to call my community forums democracy in the raw. These diaries are very much politics in the raw. He's, he's, going, he's doing a whole heap of like, I'm too real for you all. I'm, I'm raw dogging you I'm in, the, really, in these diaries. People don't get it because I'm too real. Uh, most people who write books after they leave Parliament offer sanitised versions of events to the public. They are still part of the system, one compromised foot on the gravy train, hoping for appointments and other forms of largesse. Hell yeah, King. Right? It is not in their interests to be frank about the nature of the political system. I have no interest in the gravy train, implicating the labour movement uh, as a trade-off for future political patronage, nor have I been intimidated by the threat of repercussions if I speak my mind. Um, I kept this diary as an uncut commentary on the culture of Australian politics, especially labour politics, and I offer it to the reader in that form. It is a very raw document. This is the third time he's used raw in like two paragraphs. And un- yeah, also what, uncut. What's, uh, what's on your mind, man? <laughs> Uh, blah, blah, Anything blah, blah, on blah. your mind? Or? <laughs> but yeah, like, absolutely go off, King. It was like, I have no interest in the gravy train. I mean, like, after this, he, like, gets a fucking, like, Sky News Yeah, he thing. was on a different gravy train yeah, after like, this. Yeah, well, like, and one of the things I did for, to research this, which I, I, you know, people will never say I don't suffer for my art <laughs> podcasting. I watched the first episode of his Facebook Live Outsiders, like, <laughs> after, like after he got kicked off Sky News for being too racist or too... Like yeah. homophobic or misogynist or whatever it was, I can't actually remember why he got. He's just he's news. just addicted to being too real and being thrown out of various things. Um, so he like he does like a Facebook live and he's like, it's so weird. There's like a constant hum, like just in the background. It's like <laughs> like some sort of like bad machinery and the studio. It's like clearly just like his garage or just like a room in his like big house, and Miranda Devine is there with um, Bettina Arndt. Um, Miranda Devine's are they like actually a, there or are they no, no, zooming? They're, 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 they're physically, they're physically, in, the in, physically there in the garage. Wow, and he's okay. got a big cardboard cutout of Trump behind him. Oh, wow. Just to trigger the lefties. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so clear, like, and just like the way he's talking and stuff like that. Like it's, it's very much someone seeking to be like, seeking the same sort of gravy train that various people on the, like the US writer on being like, yeah. oh, what if I could like, it's very, it's it's gravy seeking more mm. than it's like being on a yeah. gravy train. Like he wants to be on the gravy train so bad. Um, and what is his current status? Like, he is currently a, sen- a New South Wales senator for the One Nation. Okay, right. So like he New South Wales upper house, right? Yep. Yeah. Divorced senator, New South Wales. Seriously divorced. One Nation. I think it's um, triggering libs. I was thinking after his um, like the the homophobic like attack he made on someone in New South Wales. I don't really know. Mm. Um, that Pauline Hanson was like, oh no, this is, this is bad. Just like shows exactly how far Australia's come on, on like homophobia in, in like my lifetime. Whereas like, that's true. The sort of things he was saying, you definitely would have heard in the playground or whatever all the time mm. um, as a child. And now that like, like Pauline Hanson, like the leader of Australia's far right was like, yeah, oh, bad luck, Mark. <laughs> like, um, I think it's just like, I, I think it's meaningful. You know, that, just like, as an aside, I think that's a, a little symbol of that we've we've come quite a long way. Yeah, and then it, Hanson was able to read the room, but Latham was absolutely not able to restrain himself. Yeah, no, which is can't. interesting, though, because it suggests to me that it is something to do with real ideology <clears throat> rather than, like, mm. opportunism. Like, he is actually a homophobe. Yeah, <laughs> He's no, not exactly. just yeah, jumping yeah. on, like, the, the fashionable prejudicial debate. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, um, there's a few things in here, but, yeah, no, like, I think he is, a, like, a committed like misogynist and homophobe yeah he is like he's he's rolled gold hates women um so his <laughs> his first wife he met um giving her goth whitlam's card yeah and then like when he met her family it was at, like a just like a restaurant somewhere in western sydney and mark latham goes and puts a porn on the tv Hang on, i think i can find this anecdote like, <laughs> and like oh, i should have kept this and her family's like don't really know how to deal with it because this is an insane thing to do. Um, so Mark's like, no, I didn't do it. The restaurant owner did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, Fuck, his ex-wife is... is like, no, no, no. That's like, he just did that. That's actually um, psychotic. Then like, it's fully psychotic. How did thing she to marry do. him after this? It's a really. Good I think question. they were like maybe already. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, like, too know, late to pull out. Maybe. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, he's truly insane. Um, and his second wife, he meets. She's a liberal staffer that he meets in Canberra. When, it, like, as a backbencher, he's just like drinking hard and having a good time. And she's a liberal staffer in the way that, like, she got a job for someone of the Liberal Party. She's not like a committed ideologue. Wow. Um, 
and Mark Latham's part of like a group of like young labor like staffers and backbenchers who are like going and getting like really pissed in Canberra and being like, let's see who can fuck the most liberal staffers. <laughs> uh, and so he like has and this s- affair for like all this time with this liberal staffer and eventually like is like trying to tell his wife being like, oh, Maybe we can maybe we can do both. <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> maybe she can just be like my Canberra mistress or maybe you can be my like my Sydney mistress. I don't know. We'll figure out exactly exactly how we're going to manage it. <laughs> he tries to turn Polly. <laughs> the one the he one tried to turn Polly. <laughs> the massive critique of the Latham Diaries is that it exclusively focuses on politics. Oh yeah, so, no, like, we got to hear about None of this shit comes up except in occasionally in oblique references to being like there's this one moment where someone puts Goff Whitlam at the age of 84 up to calling Latham and being like look mate we've had a lot of complaints from like the, like the women in the Labour Party that like you've, you've basically you've been sexually harassing people too much Whitlam is basically like I don't really believe any of this but you know someone told me to tell you so like you know is this one know. where he's like uh, it's obviously fake because you're so good looking yeah pretty much it yeah. was like it's like, it has to be fake. If anything, it seems like they're, they're, they've been coming on to you. Anyway, I am... <laughs> she came on to me, man. <laughs> 800 years old and I'm just going to leave now. <laughs> oh. But yeah, clearly an absolutely fucking insane, insane guy. Well, it's because he was taught from really early on, like with his like um, mother and two sisters, like being like, oh, I guess we'll just dedicate yeah, our life to like facilitating mm. your intellectual work. Yeah. But like, that's actually that a woman's place is to do that for the man like and he, he was he one of the one it. of the last success sons before success daughters took over <laughs> <laughs> another end of history moment <laughs> yeah true like yeah the family desperately trying to put the their, family put their yeah eggs in one basket and, and it's it wrong that's and, and also like well, and, and, and there being a necessity for that basket to be like the son mm. rather yeah. than being like oh i'll just pick the smartest child yeah my daughter clearly, <laughs> <is> clearly <laughs> one of the other children um God, yeah. So, like, okay, I've just picked to another random page. Well, not a random page. My next note. So, this is still this is still pretty early on in this thing. It's in the introduction. But just imagine, like, a former Labour leader, like, like a year after an, an election with this. It's like, I no longer regard Labour as a viable force for social justice in this country. Its massive cultural and structural problems are insoluble. Whilst the Labour machine is still capable of winning elections, it will not deliver on its original purpose for a fair society. I do not say these things lightly. They are based on my personal experiences and deep reflection about the party's future. How can we disagree? I know. He's right. That's like, <laughs> like, like absolutely right. That's what I think. Like, that's why, like, reading this, you can't be like, yeah, you're right. Like, your solution's wrong, but you're like... You diagnose the problem. You diagnose the problem. <laughs> and also, like, like... Much better than we can say of anyone else in the labour movement um, um, who's, like, (laughs) diagnosed the problem of, like, the labour movement. He actually is willing to get off the gravy train, Mm. like, the the Labour Party gravy train, and be like, Mm. oh, well, actually, I'm not going to take, like, a salaried position in a union. I'm not going to work for a labour think tank where I can just, like, pump out, like, the sort of books that he's, like, capable of pumping out and loves writing. Um, You know, I'm not going to, like, just go back to being a backbencher and, like, fucking around Canberra, like... I'm going to go flee insane. He does <laughs> quit. I don't think he. I don't think he gets pushed out. Like, like. He, I, I think it's a bit of both. Probably close, but yeah. Like he was still he was still opposition leader. I guess. What does he get pushed out over? Like just being a bad dude, well, I, I, or yeah. losing an election, he, he or both. Made, he made a lot of enemies just yeah. by being a huge fuckhead. Yeah, and not being afraid to make enemies. <laughs> Again, king, king shit. Um, and I think, yeah, when he lost the election, it was kind of like, well, look, the only reason we're backing you is because it looked like you might actually have the capacity to beat Howard. I think, like, the mm. the the claustrophobia of the Howard kind of years is, like, hanging, like, a pall over, like, over Latham. And right as well, like, because there's no way either of those would have, like, looked good. And they did. Like, I remember, like, I remember being genuinely excited about Latham. And mm. the book I read was published just before the the 2004 election. And the author is yearning for Latham to win. Like, he's really yeah. papering, papering over, like, these obvious flaws. Really talking up his, like, intellectual credibility. Like, everyone's just yearning for someone who's not Howard. And I think that's, mm. like, that's super key. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, after, like, after just being a huge fuckhead for such a long time. And especially being, like, he's very arrogant. Like, he, mm. he's really oh super, super arrogant uh, about his own intellectual capability. And so, like, if he's, like, this is what we should do... It doesn't really matter if it's half-assed. Everyone, 
if anyone like doesn't agree, he's just like, we're doing it anyway. And I think as leader, he was just like, fuck off, I'm in charge. <laughs> um, and burnt too many bridges. So how did he diagnose his own election loss in the diaries? That is a great question. And it's kind of boring, to be honest. Like, I mean, does he own it or does he just sort of... Does he say it was the handshake? Um, he kind of blames the media a lot. Oh, yeah. Classic um, move. <laughs> and also, like, there is a lot of leaking against him. There's also a lot of like personal stuff that comes up. So he can like he can try and blame the Tories. He always refers to the Liberals as the Tories, capital T, mm. capital Tories. I just um, hate that. Because so much so much shit comes out. Like yeah, uh his first wife, ex wife, is like doing a lot of media bringing up stories like when he first met my parents, uh, he got really pissed and then, <laughs> and like, put, porno, put a porno, porno the shop the owner to put a porno on. Honestly, though, imagine if you were that wife and you had had probably, like, lingering, like, anger and resentment over that whole thing for years. Yeah. And then finally, like, this like, is I my can, chance I to tell the world die. about this. What, are you people interested in this story Yeah, now? I can, I can weaponize the story worse than he ever thought I'd be able to weaponize it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I actually, like, I skimmed that. It didn't seem interesting to me. Because um, I guess, like, I like yeah, his diagnosis that the Labour Party is, like, absolutely hollowing out, like, it has, in his mind, it has no intellectual intellectual curiosity or, or conviction at all. But then his, like, his desired policies are basically, like, third-way Blairism. Which like, is interesting because Australia invented third wave Blairism with Hawke and Keating. Yeah, but it's that's not the like the legacy he's drawing on. He's, he's no. very explicitly like talking about like like Giddens and like the third way from England and reading like British. That's true. Actually, reading British stuff and being like, well, that's what we should do, as though as though like that was the first anyone had kind of heard of it. Yeah, Whereas yeah. like the Labor Capital Compact is is it's the like, ALP and it has been the ALP since since like day dot. Yeah, that's like a really important point to make about like it's cultural cringe stuff, and I think this is what he picked yes. up from Whitlam. <laughs> All those trips to Paris. All those trips to Paris, being like, "You're right, Australia is a backwater." Yeah. 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 So this is what, that's absolutely where he stops being relatable, I guess. Like the working class rage, the working class rage is still there, but yeah, he really starts talking about social capital a lot. Oh, he loves social capital. Okay. I misunderstood this. When I was like, a, when I was a 14, 13 year old and the election was happening, I remember, like, I understood that what he was going to do was stop funding private schools, like stop them getting a cent of government yeah, funding. And I was like, fuck no. oath, that rules. That's That'll not the case. No. That's fully not the case. He didn't talk about it. But what he did want to do... Yeah, it was probably is... like a, a right-wing talking point and you were like, that rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, that's so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, uh, Labour has never once like threatened to completely fund private schools. And um, God, I wish they had. But I think he, he, I think he would have... You know, I think he really fucking hates private schools. He really fucking hates them. Nah, there's like, like, I think where he dictator, he would. There's a... I think that was probably maybe at a time in his youth, but there's a point where he's like uh, opposition education minister uh, and like really like Beasley like butchers his policy and he's really pissed about it because it was like focusing too much on um, like not doing a like oh, we just need to look at a needs-based thing across the whole system, blah, 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 like, and cutting a bunch of funding for, like, uh, Catholic schools, I think. And he's, like, really pissed about it. And there's um, and there's some anecdote that he's really, like, annoyed about the left in general because there's one apparently incredibly based, like, teachers' union that, um like, writes a formal, like, proposal against any, like, any individual funding for a private school that ever rocked up, it was like, damn, this guy's really sick. But uh, Mark Latham goes like, oh, I can't believe the left is making falling into this trap. Blah blah blah. blah. Uh, so like, I think he's cuck. like, you know, he's way too, he's way too like of a like he's fully committed to like Clintonism. Uh, sad, but okay. So his big policy was books for children. <laughs> <laughs> like Again, the, Ned. <laughs> like like his big thing was just like what we need. Like the problem with Australia is that people aren't reading books to their kids. Um, so I'm going to like, so the government is going to send books to people who've had kids. Like this is going to be like a book package and like, and like educational resources about why you should read to your kids. And that was like, that was it. Like that was his, 
that was the big policy. That was the like the grandstanding like it's why it's really baffling intellectual that courage that of he's the... ever read any Marx because there's so much stuff where it's just like oh no the problem is just like a sick society basically like like Australia if you look around Australia is wealthy and yet people are miserable there has to be something here. What is it? It's books. <laughs> it's like they're not reading to their kids. Yeah. Like he comes, comes out with a fun book. Well, yeah, really and, and I think take. that's what he kind of, like, that, that's kind of where he gets to because because of the end of history. He's yeah. like, oh, okay, so I guess the problem is is there's a lack of social capital. And the other thing he wants to do is like, like government-assisted savings accounts. Yeah. Uh, there's like mm. a, a bunch of really insane third-way mm-hmm. stuff in there where it's like, okay, so what the government's going to do is... Like, do a, like, a matched saving account to encourage savings. Um, we're yeah. going to, like, capitalism can never be touched, but what we need to do is to, like, to like level the field of social capital. So, like, we need to get people to read books and we need to put money into schools. Um, he's all about the ladder of opportunity. Like, it's yeah. very much just like, okay, what we need is, like, like, still the, like, the bootstrap system. It's just that everyone gets, everyone should be able so- to read Everyone should be able to read if they're going to pull up <laughs> so their own is, bootstraps. I guess this this is Latham summarizing, I think, his position on this. Traditionally, left of center parties have tried to achieve their goals for social justice by tackling various forms of economic disadvantage. Today, however, the biggest problems in society, the things that cause hardship and distress for people, tend to be relationship-based. Social issues, not economic. <laughs> Speak for yourself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the paradox is stunning. We live in a nation with record levels of financial growth and prosperity, yet with record levels of discontent and public angst. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, truly, like, I don't know how you have ever read any marks. Like, you're like, you've grown up here as basically like labour loyalty, loyalty royalty, and then you've come out with it like, hmm... People just, like, don't have friends, I guess. Or, like, they're not reading books to their kids. It's, like, mm. that. those are the big problems in society. No wonder fucking um, Howard won again. Christ. So, as, like, people who were there for it, <laughs> would you, or, albeit you were teens, like, would, would you blame the election loss on the handshake? Because that's, like, the narrative that you always hear. But I don't know how true it is not having been there myself. Um, I think... Uh, I think it was mostly about interest rates. I think like the the coalition did a big interest rates kind of like campaign and scare and interest rates were going up at the time. Um, and everyone was super indebted with houses and mm. with um, uh, like refinancing their houses mm. and stuff like that. And so I think that like was, was really quite palpable. So I think the memory of the last interest rate shock under Labour was still pretty strong. Yeah, okay. So I like, I think that's what it was. All right. That makes sense. Yeah, um, but also I think I think people who weren't yearning for the end of Howard um, could see that Latham was crook. Mm. Like I yeah. think, like I think his crookness yes. just like seeps like out seeps him. out of his pores. It's like, a fully insane video when you look at that handshake. Yeah. Like um, it just it doesn't so, seem real. And it's and it really sits in for all of the the like feelings about when you like spend any time looking at this man and going like. Like, the rage is palpable, I guess. Mm, yeah. And, like, and it's universally, like, directed. He's, like, not a well individual. Yeah, like, this yeah. big man wants to, like, crush this poor, sweet, innocent little t- John Howard. So I think, like, if you if you were, like, not... If you weren't committed to the end of Howard, you would have just been like, oh, nah, this crook like, fella looks yeah. crook, you know? Like, yeah. But, I, I, like, I couldn't see that because I was so... So keen to see the end of Howard. Just yeah, so passionately arguing with your girlfriend's parents. Yeah, <laughs> at the Again, table. I think all this applies no, look, to Rudd, except everyone finally. Cole, bloody Cole, absolutely working class man. He would have voted for Labor. Sure, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cole, if you're listening, Cole, get in if touch. you're listening, I fucking rate you, mate. I really do. I think you're a huge champ. Um, I have to head off in the maybe oh, like shit, fifteen minutes ish, but if, so if we want to do like final thoughts, yeah, because we've been going for like what forty five ish minutes. Yeah, I think we've. we've gone for about that long i know ryan has so many more no, no, okay i'm just gonna like find all of the funniest things he said about people no, we okay hate. so <laughs> the thing that you wanted to say most of all ryan was that latham is evidence that the labor party is dead the zombie party. The zombie party and like we've we've skirted around that but like why what's your hypothesis how like how do i how do i understand like the root of this claim convince me so uh as i've as I say to everyone trying to um, like articulate the, the weird feeling you get from election days, um, I guess we've done too much campaigning, but if you ever look at the, the Labour volunteers, uh, 
on an election day, it really feels like there are the true believers, because Latham uses capital T, capital B, true believers a lot to refer to, like, I guess, a faction faction within the Labour Party and kind of, like, the base that has been let down to some degree. And I think, like, to, like, keep going, a party does genuinely need capital T, capital B, true believers. And the true believers tend to be retirement-aged or incredibly young arms williams wearing psychos who want to get staffer jobs like those are the ones that are reliably out um handing out on election day and that has always made me feel that like there's a big gap in the middle there where people have like absolutely like no fucking reason to believe genuinely believe in the labor party as a force for change and that that and i guess we don't care about that because we don't think the labor party is a force for change but the way we care about that is like the how does it show some of the ways in which the Labour Party is actually weak? And I think one of them we've already latched onto is that like with field campaigns and ground campaigns and anything that requires like a mobilization of people to do a sort of complicated and boring thing, we absolutely destroy them on. But partially it's also like if this is true, why does the Labour Party control every single state except for Tasmania and the federal government, right? Like, the Labour Party seems like it's at a peak of power, but it also feels like it's incredibly hollowed out and weak. And I keep trying to figure out what the disconnect there is. And I think Latham, like, blowing everyone up on the way out, like, for recognising some of the things being... It doesn't require capital T, capital B, true believers anymore to really like run like Australian state capitalism as a party like realistically the Labour Party has just quietly and completely successfully taken over the mantle of like Howard basically as the like calm obvious leaders of Australian capitalism that like will not fuck up will not do anything too dangerous and that is the now their new like modus operandi and yes okay i think that was what i was thinking i think that's good Um, (laughs) and it works it works with i think the only interesting thing i have to say about latham Uh which is one of his big diagnoses of what's wrong and like so like why his sky show was called outsiders (laughs) and why he kept up with his facebook live show also being called outsiders just incredible um he wrote quite a lot about outsiders like when he was still like in the Labour Party and like still kind of like gunning to be Prime Minister. Yeah. And he understood himself as an outsider and he what he was opposing that to was the like the kind of like inner city like ALP voting kind of like the like the resin jewellery set would be the term that I would use. <laughs> um, like and he's so the, he the Writers Festival crowd. <laughs> the Writers Festival crowd. Um, like like the in like that that's the insight. It's like and he's like so that's people who give a shit about refugees and who are like think homophobia is maybe not good. Yeah. Um, various kind yeah, of they like are moral insiders. positions are the, are the insiders. Yeah. And he was like and I think that's like one of the things that the the book I read was kind of talking about was like, well, that's still actually the AL- that's actually the ALP's base is this kind of mm. inner city, like educated, comfortable kind of like writers festival demographic. So how were you like how like he was like so how is Latham going to manage this like deep antagonism toward the ALP base? <laughs> considering like how is he actually going to bring in the outsiders who are much more uh, like who aren't, like, party loyal at the moment, like, this kind of, like, you know, unwoke, like, you know, unwoke kind of suburban crowd as who, like, how that would be kind of described now. Mm. Um, like, how is Latham going to bring them into the ALP fold? Um, and so that's what, like, I think what Latham was trying to, like, trying to do or, like, saw his kind of historic, like, role is being, like, okay, what we need to do is to forge the Labour Party anew in the, like, in the interests of the, like, the outer suburban aspirational aspirational class um yeah and, i agree and that that never that that didn't happen it couldn't mm. happen um and and i think like one of the only friendly geordie things i've ever seen um was him just going like really hard at aspirationals and putting on his stupid fucking voice and being I like i hate voice. aspirationals or whatever um it was really mm. it was really annoying but like what i found really surprising about it was 
like about reading about Latham, that is, was that this term aspirationals was a term that like emerged from the ALP to talk about the new base that they need to be appealing to. Mm. Um, and when that fell away, that was their answer of who voted for Howard and actually who's wrong with Australia. Mm. We lost the aspirational. We lost that's the aspirational. Their term for Howard Battles. Um, so that's 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 kind of my final thought on on Latham and whether it's good to be an outsider or an insider. <laughs> It is wild to me that he is like he's still in politics, like he's a senator now, and yet he continues to do his Facebook Live stuff. Like, you don't have to. Like, you're not competing for another job on Sky News or (laughs) whatever. Like, you can just you know sink quietly into obscurity on a very nice salary. But yeah, the man—he's a poster at heart, from what I've learned today. Any final thoughts? No, I think that's it. Yeah. Like, um, my final thought is still, it would have been good if Latham beat Howard. Like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, despite, despite everything, everything that's so, wrong with him. And the other final thought Howard is that, um, that Latham was like quite courageously against the US. Um, and that was like the yeah. end of that's that. Interesting. I think that was the, like, Latham was the last leader of the ALP who was willing to, t- to like, to take an anti anti like Australia as like a US kind of puppet state position Mm. and it was very popular and I think that was part of where like when Latham first like became leader and he was he was getting a bunch of like attention was like flying high in the polls that was when he was at his most like we're taking troops out of the out of Iraq and we are like and fuck the US fuck yeah fuck George W Bush yeah absolutely and that was a really popular time and then as and that's when he's first that's he's really in conflict with Rudd about this because Rudd is the like foreign affairs guy at the time and wants to have like a really nuanced and complicated position on the war and blah 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 and like says this moment where he's like no fuck it it has to be a simple message it's mm-hmm. fucking trips out by christmas and so yeah he definitely has yeah this moments again where you're like oh he was, he was surprisingly good on that but yeah so i think like that's the reason that you think he was the last real leader of the labor party is because he was the last person in the labor party who wasn't actually just a spook like, <laughs> like i think like i think the u.s secret service has had their little fingers in the labor party pie um, well we then, learned but bob hawk before him was yeah. Yeah, well exactly. in that pie and no one would ever like think like oh yeah this man is stable enough to be an asset <laughs> yeah, <that's so> true, <laughs> that was his great gift yeah yeah yeah, yeah. his great gift is like God-given instability. Yeah, being yeah. too psycho to be recruited. Um, but but yeah. like, so I think yeah, I think like since then we haven't. But the ALP has has ceased. You know, it ceased to be like a, a force for like a potential socialism in Australia from day one. But I think that was the moment that it was like that it ceased to even be an Australian political party. I think it mm. is broadly an extension of of like US kind of interference now. Well, I don't know. There's other things going on, of course, but I think that's an important part of it. Mm. My final thought is find a PDF of this book and just name search future prime prime ministers to get all of the fucking goss. The other good thing to do, just to name search, by the way, which I did a little bit for Latham but couldn't find any reference to, is just like WikiLeaks. Just like search (laughs) various Labour politicians on WikiLeaks. You'll have a ball. (laughs) Albo, liar. Rudd, leaking, sneaky little shit. He likes Gillard. In fact, he tries to get Gillard to do the numbers to replace him. Um, um, Gillard's When I was looking at Latham All I could find was stuff on Gillard Like Latham was mentioned briefly In context of like Gillard things And it was just like US people being like Used to be a lefty Doesn't matter Votes with the right um, <laughs> Not a threat to US interests <laughs> <laughs> Damn <laughs> Alright well I guess Gillard's up next Alright okay, okay, cool. Thanks guys <laughs> Thanks Bye <laughs>